everybody welcome to the gym life podcast uh special special christmas vacation episode uh with me tonight is uh well we'll describe him by one phrase and that's the world's strongest man 105 class andrew clayton thanks for joining me tonight andrew what's up guys hey awesome to be here joe yeah you know we've been trying to put this together for a couple weeks uh <laughs> it's been on our list of course and part of it was me of trying to shuffle around this crazy schedule i have but uh, this time of year, I think we're all getting pretty busy, and it sounds like talking to you briefly before this podcast started, after OSG, the work hasn't stopped for you, just most of it's just at home now, getting your house built and or your, yeah. your gym built and all that good stuff, so um, how you feeling these days? Actually, really good. Uh, you know, despite getting really sick after OSG, I think everybody caught a bug, and then all the stress of moving and just every, basically everything just going off, you know, off routine, uh, this past work. Or this past week, I feel like I'm I'm done with about a like an off season block. I'm kind of running, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel really comfortable going into a little bit heavier weights. I'm, I kind of knew I was going to have a period where I wasn't able to focus on the gym, so I kind of structured it ahead of time to be less implements, less intensity, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm at that age now where it's probably good for me to pull back every now and again. I'm not yeah. someone that can run hot all year round uh, because that's what I do good is run hot. <laughs> well, older and wiser, though. And that's going to yeah. bold well for 2023, I'm sure. Um, you know, you're coming off really a stellar year. And we'll talk a lot more about that stellar year. But I kind of mentioned to you before in conversation that getting to know you has always been something that I've wanted to do just on a personal level, as I've kind of seen you come up through 2022, but knew about you long before that. And what I find interesting about your story is, you're you're you have a lot of layers for a strong man uh you know you a lot of guys and i'm not just talking about necessarily competition layers but you how fat up, I am. what's that or how fat i am <laughs> well, yeah well at one point right you were a big guy i mean it, it, that kind of amazed me really when i was looking at a lot of your backstory you kind of started off as a super heavyweight didn't you yeah so uh i started off wanting to play football and I was on like all the message boards for bodybuilding. And I don't know if you remember back in the day, bodybuilding.com was big, but there was just too many trolls there. So I was on like some smaller message boards. I was on Marunde Muscle. So anyone in Strongman that was on Marunde Muscle, that's like your OG status. Um, But one of the things I saw in bodybuilding forums was, uh, sorry, my dog's barking back. It was uh, body weight and body fat percentage listed at the bottom. And I was like, okay, so that's like your status is like, how heavy you get or how lean you get. Well, I didn't right. have a body weight, a way to do body fat. So I can only do body weight. So like, shoot, I better get big. So I went from like 150 pounds at like maybe 15 to 300 pounds by like 16 and a half. Oh I literally God. gained 150 pounds in a year and a half. And like, yeah, it was obviously bad. It was unhealthy. But sure. that right there taught me the lesson of like eating five or six meals a day and yeah. it to my metabolism. And I think if I hadn't done that, even though I got really fat, I would not be here as far as like a structure of like habits. Like I'm so like, that's never been a problem. I've been eating this, like eating, eating that way. And, and you know, be able to be able to consume a lot of food since, you know, since 15. Um, so I basically just changed how much I've eaten, you know, and all the, all the foods I've been able to get really lean or really big or, you know, stuff like that. Let, let's start right there. You know, cause I find that these backstories to me really kind of, we, it connects us all in some way or another. Because you just said it, the Rundy Forum, right? I remember being on that forum. <laughs> yeah, I think so we nice. need to talk about that more. God rest his soul, Jesse Rundy, of course. Yeah. Uh, the guy that would have we would have realized who would have had a huge career in Strongman back in the day. But that forum and, and kind of starting off as a kid uh, and, and being a part of that scene sort of from the peripheral, 
it kind of molded you a little bit, but it started you kind of growing. Were you kind of a strength athlete then? Did you play football then? What was kind of the goals? Uh, I mean, I played football. I don't know how good I was. You know, I, I didn't really play very long. I realized that with team sports, you can't control it. Like, we're never in control all the way as a strength athlete, but in an individual strength sport like strongman, like, I control a lot more than I do on a, on a team. Uh, so I didn't like how I was putting in work on the weekends or, you know, I was eating you know five or six meals a day and other teammates were slacking on the weekends, going to parties or just, you know, they, I was so focused on, on winning at football. Like it didn't like, I wasn't distracted by, Oh, there's hot girls in this class or like, Oh, let me go drink beer at 16. You know, I, I just like, it never came in my mind because I put my mind on like being good at something. And I knew that to be good at something, you have to sacrifice something else. So I, I remember reading an article at 15 or 16 years old about a football team that gave up carbonated beverages and like white bread. And that's not really the point. The point was they just like picked things that were to sacrifice. I mean, there yeah. are plenty of people that are dominant. I mean, I eat white bread and I drink carbonated drinks now, sure. but the yeah. point was you had to give up something to be good at something. And that just like always resonated with me. So it was really frustrating when I would like be on teams where like people weren't doing that and they weren't making the sacrifices. And then I was like busting my butt doing it. And then I realized the gym was just way more fun. I, I could always hit PRs in the gym. Yeah. But our team would get whooped. And I was like, well, I did my job. And and it just it just never it never manifested itself into really loving a team sport because of that. Well, you know, you're pretty mature for your age because a lot of young guys, and I was probably one of them, nowhere near as mature as you were at 15 and 16, realizing that sacrifice, right? And what that meant in performance. You were kind of ahead of the game. The mm -hmm. fault, not to fault all those teammates of yours, they were just boys. They didn't know any better. Where did that discipline come from, though? I mean, what was the trigger in you that sort of said, okay, this is how I have to be? Was there somebody leading the way for you back then, or was this sort of a revelation you had on your own? Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say I was really mature. I just think in that one realm I was mature. But I yeah. think coming from a family that was pretty conservative and just, just realizing, like, uh, you know, my dad instilled, you know, certain values of, of hard work and, okay. uh, you know, you have to practice to be good at stuff, you know, and and, he, and I sucked at a lot of sports. I wasn't necessarily the best at any sport, but it was always hustle. It was like, if you're going to suck, you're going to be the first into the line on the football field. If, if you're going to, you know, so even in strongman, like I'm not the strongest strongman. I'm not the biggest strongman. I'm not the fastest. It's I do like the intensity I bring is because if you suck at something, you better be like really intense and like always on point, always on time, always doing the little stuff. Um, so in some ways, not being genetically gifted uh, made me do things that made me better now. And I would say I'm fairly genetically gifted for strongman, maybe 105 for sure. I'm taller and stuff like that. But some of those gifts are really just through the process of like not being gifted at other things, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, that resonates with me for sure. I mean, I can understand that kind of where that – this is making sense to me a little bit more now, watching you perform with the intensity that you perform at. Because I would gather you still – think of yourself as that young man right now and how important that intensity is despite the accolades that you have and the things that you've done in the sport you don't strike me as a guy that goes into competition thinking you're anybody but that 16 17 18 year old kid that still needs to do what he needs to do to be better than everybody else because he doesn't believe he has what it takes to get there is yeah. that a accurate description yeah. yeah i mean i think i mean some people say it's like an insecurity but i just think like a lot of people when they look themselves in the mirror like they're always wanting more yeah. So, you know, as a kid, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, I want to be big. Like, you know, for me, it was Brian Erlacher, right? Yeah. Something about him, you know, I thought it was huge. Now I'll get pictures. I'm like, my God, the guy's not even that big. 
But yeah. like that was like one of the people I looked at. So I think as you get bigger, stronger, you're always looking towards like something else. So like even like competing this past year, like I might have been one of well, depending on who picked who in these in these predictions you guys did. Yeah, you know, I might have yeah. been one of the top picks, but in my mind, I'm still I still think I'm someone that people are counting out. That someone, you know, I'm I'm that dark horse or someone who they don't think is going to be up there. I think that's a better way to look at it. Uh, to yeah. be kind of always hungry. I I envision my competitors as being like almost like superheroes. Like I, I don't know how to put it. So like everybody has a strength. Like every competitor is good at something. So I just imagine the competitor I'm trying to beat is the person that's good at everything. So they so they might be as good as as someone on press and as good as someone else on dental, but they're like morphed together. So every time I'm training, I'm like, man, I'm trying to beat the guy that's the best at this event. And I'm trying to do that for every event. So obviously that means cumulatively I should be better than whoever I'm going against. Well, yeah. And, and I think, and honestly, and anybody that's watching this is that have watched you compete and had the, and really have just followed you closely. Like I have. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I would define you because you, and as a result, you, are better at everything. I well, mean, you truly. Are. At I mean, one hundred five, at, at one hundred five, I, I can be good at a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, as a strongman in general, obviously, open competitors are are much better. But I mean, I, I've always prided myself on being consistent. I mean, I think strongman to me is like it's so much more a sport than it is a lift. And what I mean by that is like it's the cumulative number of skills. You know, it's it's having the toolbox of a lot of things to do. So yeah. there's so many lifters out there that are known for one lift or like power lifters and nothing against power lifters because power lifter, i mean if that's what you do in your power lifter then yeah your job is sbd but if you're a power that goes to strongman you just got into the wrong job now because our job now is not sbd it's a through z it's to be good that's at right. every little discipline throwing sprinting over here carrying this and a lot of people try to define strongman as like oh that's not real strongman if it's over 90 seconds though that's not real strongman if it's you know this and that but like how i looked at strongman is like be good at everything and uh, there's a lead FTS article that came out, I want to say probably like 2008, 2009. And it was like, what's the point of deadlifting 700 if you can't move a couch? So like, it's that functional, like who cares if you're strong in the gym? If you yeah. like, for me, it's like yoke walk. If, if I can't sprint a yoke walk, but I can deadlift like 700, 800 pounds. then like, what's the point? Cause yoke yeah. walk is, 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 well, I don't know if this is supposed to be family friendly or not, but it's pretty badass. Like that yeah. is like the strongman core lift in my opinion is heavy weight on your back, move it A to B. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And it's not one you're going to do without knowing how to do it well. I mean, you're just right. not. Yeah. You can fumble fuck. Not anymore. Yeah. Because everybody has yeah. a yoke walk. Back in the day, guys yeah, didn't have a yoke. And it was like, go to competition and figure it out. But yeah, now yeah. with a yoke walk, you better yeah. go to competition, know how to get under it and move quickly. And yeah, yeah. and just be punished by it still. It still punishes you. It just punishes oh, you less. It punishes yeah. you less. <laughs> I mean, you say it's fun to do, but it's fun because you're. it's perverted that you say it's fun because yeah, it really isn't fun at all. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yoke walk always sucks. Don't do, what I, don't do what I'm telling you to do. Do the opposite. You'll probably have a better life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, uh, You know. so you're a young man. You're 15, 16 years old. You, you've got this sort of built-in discipline. It sounds like that you picked up a lot of cues from your father and the way that he kind of, uh, you know, managed himself. And, and that's a great I mean, obviously, everybody loves to hear that, right? So it sounds like at home, things were where they needed to be to kind of create this version of you at Absolutely. a young age. Um, you know, you get to the 16, 17, 18 years I'm going to interrupt you. I just yeah. want to compliment my parents on that. Yeah, because both my parents are perfectionists, and they are they teach and they coach. So they know, like, they that that's their core being is to teach. So I have six brothers. So uh, it's, you know, to be able to raise a family like that and none of us be 
like, I mean, I've, I've messed up in my life, but like to be like problems to society is pretty good. You know, it's all six, like being well put together, you know, um, and being successful in all our different realms. But yeah, my parents always talked about perfect practice and just, my mom told me blinders up when you're doing something. And, you know, and my dad was, he was like, it was finesse or it was hustle or, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily like I had to be good at it. It's just you better implement those things into it and, you know, just always keep working because somebody's going to be better than you and you're going to have to just, yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, what I call my parents on that because that's that's something that a lot of kids don't have is no. some kind of role model. And and unfortunately, our role models now are, are Instagram stars. And so, uh, and I'm going, I'm going off a tangent, but I'll say no, this. No, it, yeah, no, you're right. a teenager who started in Strongman, I, I definitely take a passion for other teenagers like myself uh, because a lot of people didn't believe in me then and they didn't help me out. Luckily I had parents that, you know, had some belief in me, but even, even as a parent, like, I, I mean, your 15 year old comes to you and says he wants to be one of the world's strongest men. Like, come on. You know what I mean? It's, it's right. not going to space, but it's like, you know, it's like, come on. So like, it is probably surreal for them to have it happen, but at the same time, they didn't have to believe it fully. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I have a couple of teenagers, teenagers that I help now. And man, I try to do as much as I can to help them because yeah. I've been there. And I know what it feels like to have everybody telling you, oh, you can't do that. You're going to hurt your back. And yeah. I'm like, no, like, just ignore them. Do your yeah. job. Ignore them. And one day you're going to get to, like, laugh at it. It'll be 10 years from now. You're going to have 10 years where you can't say yeah. a word. And then 10 years from now, when you're, so what, 15, 25, when you're making prize money, when you're pro twice, when you've yeah. gone to America's Strongest Man, then you can be like, hmm. When you're yeah. building a home gym off the prize money that you won in Strongman, you can <laughs> be like, right. hmm. So yeah. it's, it's, it, it's, it's a very delayed gratification for sure. Well, it is been, and it comes with that mentoring, you know, because you have to be willing to accept the sacrifice and the battle and the road to get there. And it, and, and really, this is all kind of really making sense to me because you really had that, those core beliefs, that foundation was set at you at a very young age and you managed through, you know, what some would consider some tough years, some decision-making years. And mm-hmm. I get it. You weren't perfect. I'm sure there's some good stories that follow that as well. But I guess let me ask you, were there chinks in the armor back even then? What were some of the struggles that you were having uh, as a young man as you kind of were making it way through the strength sports and kind of learning how to maybe define yourself? Yeah, I think that's interesting. No one's ever asked me that question. Uh, So when we talk about like maturity is like age or maturity is like how long you've been training. So I've been training since, well, I guess like 14, been doing strongman events of some capacity, you know, like. DIY since like probably like 14 or 15. So over half my life, I've been doing strongman. It's a pretty long time. So my training age is very old, but I like grew, I grew up in the sport versus like already been grown up and then were in the sport. So there are like definitely like things of like immaturity or just like disillusion, like, you know, arrogance or cockiness or something like, you know, I'm coming, I'm, I'm still growing in like being a man, you know, eight, you know, like your brain is a form but for sure. like 21 or whatever. So I'm, I'm learning as I go. And I think that's something that some people said maybe too late. Like, you know, they were trying to guide me the right way, but maybe they said it too harshly or just it. Unless you've like done that, it's really hard to like understand. Like I was doing like man's weight, so to speak, doing a man's sport, being around very intense male figures at like 18, 19, 20 years old. And I'm not really all all there in the head just yet. You know, I'm still, yeah. I'm still growing and learning. Uh, but I find it's interesting. And this might be a knock on some people. Is it's one thing to make those mistakes as like a young adult, but then like there are guys making the mistakes like that at like 35, 40 years old. Yeah. So I am embarrassed sometimes about like, oh man, I was really cocky then. Right? That was a really dumb thing to say. 
or like you know something like that or oh i made poor choices and how i competed or whatever but there are people like twice my age that have a family and a career that they're doing that so i think there's a big difference in, in maturity when you look at it from like not like how good i was as an athlete but like how my age affected my understanding of that I, I don't know if that makes sense, like what I'm yeah, saying, no, it, but it it's just different, like growing up and already being in like men's categories when you're still like a kid versus if I'd gone to college and like start a family, I said, oh, you know what? I had the disposable income to do this sport. I'm going to do the sport. I would have done it a lot differently. I would have yeah, I had a yeah. stable understanding of who I was versus growing as who I was and growing as a strength athlete and having all those normal hurdles that every young man or you know has you know throughout their life yeah it's i think it has something to do with like being imprinted on or in this impression you know being impressionable and being imprinted on and kind of that's kind of what i'm getting from what you're telling me at that young age because you were very impressionable uh but kind of what setting you found yourself in was sort of allowing this evolution of you to take place and kind of brought you now to well to this man that understands himself at a higher level than he, than most guys do, even at the age you're at now and understanding what it takes to get where you're at, be where you've been and get where you got to go. Uh, I, maybe that's a little too deep, but I, that resonates with me because you were talking about this young guy that, you know, really got into something and even in a mindset and, and was, was realizing his own talent, which is hard to do for a lot of young people is what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's, it was really tough to like, it was really tough to like ignore people that were trying to, I guess, make fun of me or uh, discourage me. I was just thinking, it's funny. I was just thinking about it today. Uh, there was a session I was doing when I was 18 years old and I had said something like I can do a thousand pound yoke. And I think I'd either done 900 or 950. Maybe I'd done a thousand pick. I can't remember what I'd done. And this competitor where I live locally was really good at yoke. And they basically, I was two weeks out from a, uh, two weeks out from team national in 2011. And they tried to, uh, bait me into doing a thousand pound yoke two weeks out, which is obviously not smart. Our yoke walk, yeah. you know, we didn't even have a yoke walk in that show. So they were just basically trying to like teach me a lesson by making me do something that wasn't on the training plan. So luckily I was strong willed enough to say no, but right. of course there's part of me that was like, I want to show them I can. Right. And I just think it's really funny because like 12 years later, I mean, I sprinted a thousand pound yoke under 10 seconds for 50 feet. And I think under 15 seconds or under 16 seconds for 75 feet. And it was an international competition. And I beat every American over in Spain. And it's just one of those things. It's like, it's really, it's really hard not to want to compete against people. So sometimes like the mistake I made, I guess, was talking out, like saying what I could do. Yeah. Uh, and in some ways that can help you because now you have to be held accountable to what you say. Yeah. Unfortunately, most people, what they do is they say something outwardly to get the gratification then. So they say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds by whatever. And what does the person say to them? They say, oh, that's a great. They haven't done anything yet. Right. You know, right. You, know yeah. I, you know, you get a client that wants to come to you and wants to be coached and they say they want to win the world's strongest man and they've only done one strongman competition as a novice. It's like, I feel like a jerk, but I like can't respond to it. Because if I respond to it, I'm going to give them right. uh, gratification that they haven't earned. So I think it was a little different for me. I wasn't speaking out like I wanted people to give me gratification i was almost like trying to speak it out as like affirmation of like what yes. i was going to do um but there were times it was probably cocky and i'm sure i wanted to have praise or to be known i mean i mean i mean i want people to know who i am i mean everybody kind of wants to have some notoriety in this world of what eight billion people seven billion people um but yeah it's uh 
that was really tough for me to like to grow up and have so many people trying to like teach me a lesson. Let me teach that kid a lesson. And it's you had I just had to be super hard headed because a lot of adults did. And now, ironically, I, now I'm that adult. Yeah, I see people. And unfortunately, it's not even it's not even teenagers now coming up. It's it's grown men that have disposable income that because everything's so accessible now for strongman, it's right. diluted the the entry of the sport. So like for me, when by the time I was 18, I still had junk equipment. I had a couple pit bull pieces of equipment and stuff like that. But like I really had the work to have the strongman. I mean, luckily my parents supported me and I was able to have like a garage where I could store it. And, you know, I trained outside in the street and I, somehow I loved that. I don't know how I loved that. But, you know, now people can go to like commercial gym, pay 40 bucks, or they can get it shipped to their door with free shipping for like relatively inexpensive. You know, it's so accessible that there are guys that are like, oh, I'm going to be the next world's strongest man. It's like, dude, yeah, you just hit like order online. I used to have to like, I rolled my first truck tire about a mile and a half through a neighborhood all the way home. And it wasn't even heavy enough to flip. So I had to stuff weights inside of it. And I remember rolling it. Like my shoulders hurt so bad. But it's like, that's how bad I wanted to do. I wanted to do tire flip. And that's what I had to do. I had to literally take a tire off of like an old construction site, roll it about a mile yeah, yeah. And, and, and flip it in the driveway. Yeah, there was a certain level of earning it. You, you had to earn the right to yeah. be able to work in, or to, to put in the work do strongman that's an interesting perspective because i've i've never heard it articulated like that there is this soft nature to the sport i think we can all admit that whether you've been in it as long as we have or you've just sort of gotten into it maybe you're a different cut of the rug you can look around you can see it there's this attempt there's this sense of entitlement almost in this sport that yeah. didn't exist 10 years ago or 15 years ago now everybody as a teenager, oh sorry even no. as a teenager like i felt entitled to stuff and that's like that youthful entitlement, but it's like a different type of entitlement. It's like, because I own the equipment I should be allowed or because I can afford the entry fee, I should be able to go to this prestigious world competition. And it's yeah. like, why? But, but the, the hard part is this is you want people to have to earn it, but you also don't want to discourage the people that can be really good at the sport. Yes. So we have this, we have this problem of like, we need to make it accessible. So the people that are genetically predisposed to be good at it, get the equipment in their hands to become who they need to be. Yeah. You know, like when we look at other professional sports, like, uh, you know, football, basketball, like you can play those in school. Like theoretically, a kid could become good at football and all they have to buy is cleats. That's right. You know, a kid could be good at basketball and all they have to buy is basketball shoes, which theoretically could just be their shoes they wear all the time. You know, yeah. so it's, those are the barriers of entry are so low for those sports. And there's still that earned quality because you still have two a days and you still have like tons of pickup games to play and, drills and you know tons of shots 500 shots you know you're doing your work strongman's a little different because you have to have that earn it quality but you also have to have access to the equipment which yeah. usually requires like income and now because shows are a little bit more complex and not as much like parking lot you have to have even like more access or better knowledge yeah, so what sure. i hate to see is i'd hate to see someone that's like genetically predisposed to dominate strongman and get discouraged because someone else has a little bit more money than them or a little bit better access. And yeah. like, that's how I personally feel because I, you know, I'm building this garage gym, luckily that I finally had the resources to do after 15 years in the sport. I haven't had air conditioning. I've trained mainly out of my parents' garage throughout my career. I finally bought a little AC unit like over the last six months. I've never had an indoor facility in my area except in the past year, which went out of business and I had to move all stuff in a storage unit. So, those are all hurdles. And like, had I had more resources, who knows? You know what I mean? How many people in my area got discouraged because of the lack of access and how many people in other areas were gifted 
opportunities because they had better access. So I'd love to see a good mix of earning it, but then access to especially the people predisposed to be good at that are willing to work. And that's probably the, the hardest part of all sports. There are a ton of NFL players that never ever. Yeah. It is the hardest part of all sports. It really is. And, and, and it's good that we're comparing strongman now to all sports, right? Because it's not so much a niche anymore. It's becoming more socially available, at least. Yes. Maybe not from a training standpoint, but visually, Instagram and social media and live events and live streamed events and uh, a lot more competitions around us every year. So it's more available to everybody to put their eyes on it. So I think the fact that we're having this conversation it kind of lends to what the growth we've experienced now is because with growth, there comes little problems that we have to solve and what those problems are. So it kind of likened back to what you mentioned about a strong man being a little bit softer, you know, the whole time I'm thinking about Rocky four, right? I mean, he's spoiled. He's got everything at his disposal. What did they have <laughs> to do? They had to take him out to Russia, throw him in the middle of a freaking winter and have him train in a barn, you know, to harden him up a little bit. So I agree with you. How did you know I like the Rocky movies? How did you know? <laughs> yeah, do you, you don't like them or you do? No, I mean, how do you know? I just posted a reel with the audio from one of them in it. <laughs> oh, geez. I, I didn't know that. No, I swear to God. I, so I liked – it's so tough for me. My dad would say he likes Rocky. It's Rocky IV when he fights the Russian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my dad always compares like a P.I. the Arnold Amateur because I was competing against Kielikowski and on the lap. So he won the overall, but I beat him in stones. He, and so we, so we go out and like, I know it's Poland, not Russia, but you know, same vibe. Yeah. And uh, he's like, yeah, it was like Rocky IV because like you're beating him. But like, dad, I lost the overall. But I liked, um, if you look, if people look back, I don't know if I even have any photos of my Instagram like this old. I liked the Mr. T haircut, you know? Yeah, Because yeah. he trained in a freaking basement or whatever and rocky was handed the titles he was handed the invites he got all the press he got all the sponsorships he got all the hand to hand it how funny that is how it is now and i'm training in my garage and that's still the mentality i have is like i'm yeah. mr t and i'm gonna break you and Club i'm gonna embarrass you and that, yeah yeah that's i mean of course he gets beat the next one i know well, but like yeah. the, the point is 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 that's like the mentality that you have to have is like someone else is going to be gifted something and it's going to yeah. irritate you and just go in your garage, go in your basement, go in your storage unit. I mean, I love the clients I have that train storage units. I freaking yeah. love it. Yeah. I mean, when, when I watch them training and it's like silent, they're training a storage unit with no music. I mean, you got to be worried about that guy. You do. I mean, yeah, it, that's it's, right. it's late at night. You got your headlights into the storage unit, no music. Yeah. That dude's insane. Like, yeah. You don't I, want I don't to know if you follow. Do you follow? This is a shout out to Tim Filer. Do you follow, do you follow Tim Filer's uh, master's competitor, 40? Uh, yeah, I've. I followed him on and off uh, since I, I remember competing with him in the Arnold in 2000, either 14 or 2013. Yeah. yeah. Doing really well in his 40s now at, at Masters, I think, at Clashy. Well, did he win that? I, I, yeah. I he, he, he won yeah. Clash. I saw him at OSG uh, or a little after party. It went to like freaking 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he he hurt his peck or whatever on, I guess, Viking Press. And well, it, your story you were telling about getting gritty, I always like watching his videos because he's out in headlights on the pavement. You know, training as farmers in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's hardcore to me, and that's a cool part about the sport. With some of the guys that train like they're the underdogs, and they're not. A guy like you, a guy like Tim, are not underdogs, but you right. still train like you're the underdog. You know, so anyhow, but it gives you that. It gives you that little edge. I mean, when you're out there training, like you're up in Michigan, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it, it's it's cold. So even just like train out in the cold, like just yeah. got to irritate you just a little bit. To, you know, and you're like, man, I can't wait to be in an indoor facility when everybody's 
you know, when I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm out here in this crap, I got to shovel the drug, you know, and here in Florida, it's like, oh man, humid. I got to put towels over the handles and right. I got to like cool them off between sets. I got to go through like three shirts to work out, you know, all that stuff is just like just stirring me up. And then when I go to competition, that whistle blows and it's just like, right. You know, yeah. You face the elements. It's not going to, yeah, nothing's going to deter you from. I still don't like it. No, I don't know who does. (laughs) I'll tell you a quick story. I remember uh, I trained with the Fenton group back in the day. That's Aaron, Aaron West and, and, and uh, Justin Blake and some of these. Justin Blake, man. Oh boy. Freak there. Right. It still is. He's, he does the great lakes every year. That's the only thing he does. God, 400 farmers like every weekend. I just, yeah. People don't even know the the one Oh five history. Like those guys. Yeah. Truly, truly. And and he won America's Strongest, I think, uh, once or twice. But anyhow, that was a lot of snow farmers carries back then, right? These we do them well, man. You know, uh, very cool. Yeah, we've carried. I take a keg out to the ocean, carry it through the ocean. Uh, yeah, I think other dumb stuff I did. I mean, there's so much dumb stuff you do when you just want to, you know, I don't do that anymore, but yeah, no, no, listen, we don't want to get broken all the time. That's (laughs) you know, that shit will lead to it eventually. Um, how do you how do you you coach right now, right? You've got a few few people, young guys. You're mentoring them, I guess, a bit in the sport. You brought that up. Some of the younger guys yeah. training right now. Um, you know, I don't necessarily target just just young guys. I, I just like to compliment them. But you know, right. I, I I'll compliment one of my clients. I'll, I'll you know I'm gonna shout him out. His name's Gabe. I think he's 17 now. You know, he's 16 years old. He's paying for my coaching. I'm not gifting it to him. He's paying for it. And he was working a job, you know, at a fast food chain. He's paying for coaching. I mean, that's the type of dedication that you have to have. You know what I mean? You know, he's 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 doing all the work. He's watching the YouTube videos, and that that resonates with me so much because that's me. That's me watching the YouTube. I'm, man, I'm almost like tearing up. It, it's yeah. like it's watching the YouTube videos. It's doing the it's doing the homework. It's seeking out people that know know better. And as opposed to the per, the first person I I sought out in strongman kind of discouraged me because it was a training group about ninety minutes from my house. I was fifteen. And he's like, well, you have to bring your parent with you. And he's like, oh, are you even serious? Da, da, da. Like, and I'm like emailing slash Facebook. I, I had like make a Facebook to contact them. It was weird. It was yeah, like, yeah. that's the only way I reach them. But I try not to be that. You know, I try to be the person that's going to be encouraging. But I have clients, uh, you know, a good mix. Uh, I would say probably my average client is like uh, more intermediate. You know, that they, they're past that novice stage. They're trying to get a foothold in the local strongman scene or get to, you know, the, the higher level scene. But I have, I think I have four or five guys going to the Arnold amateur uh, I've consulted or worked with at some wow. point, the guys at world strongest man, you know, it's, it's not, um, how do I put it? Uh, I enjoy coaching. And I think I, I really enjoy just helping people in whatever phase they're in, you know, so I've consulted with guys at a high level and they just need me for a brief period of time, you know, to get through a rut or they just wanted to hear my advice. And then I've helped people who are more at the beginning stages and they're seeking me out because they know they're one of those types of people that overanalyzes. And yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people. And I think you always seek out people that are like you or you're, you're naturally, you gravitate towards people like you. So the people that are overanalytic or they want to outsource that to someone else. And I'm that guy. So they yeah. outsource it to me. I do the thinking, I make decisions. And that's awesome because they're the over over analytical person that's going to work. So once I give them the boxes, a check, 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 check. And then they report back. And I'm like, wow, who would have thought it would work if people did the work? And so I, I really have to compliment all my clients. I mean, I, I can't say I have any client that doesn't work hard and, and does all, you know, I'm probably, it's probably the best job I've ever had. I mean, the fact that I can be at home, usually sweaty in gym clothes and have people that enjoy talking to me and working with me, it, it's, it really is a blessing to, you know, to have that, 
you know, have that. I, I think there's another layer to it with you as well, and and, and maybe I, I, no, I'm, I know I'm not wrong. You, you bring you bring a philosophy into this into this as well, a me, uh, not just a methodology and training, but I think you're. I would say to you that I think that your students gravitate towards you because you also bring this philosophy to training, not just training, but being that individual in training. Uh, is that is that a fair to say? Yeah, I mean, so I so when you are a coach, you you have to create a brand for yourself, and I think you know a lot of people. I probably got irritated with being like, oh, he's a guy that always talks about injury. We kind of talked about off, yeah. off air about everybody's talking about injury. My brand is going to be never quit, always show up, you know, intensity, you know, work hard, you know, and, and outlast everyone. I mean, I've been in sport almost 15. Well, I've been in training for 15 years mm-hmm. and I'm not done. That's so right. that is the brand I have. And I want people to gravitate towards that. And I also, you know, I love what, like when I'm in my flow of doing strongman, I love it. When I'm, when it's clicking, I love it. And I attract those people too. Uh, so that's kind of the, I guess that's the philosophy of the branding that I bring. And uh, there's the problem, the only problem with that that people have is the halo effect, right? You know, you see a very successful athlete. I'm not even saying just me because I'm not the most successful ever, but you see successful athletes on Instagram or whatever, and you think they can coach. And that's probably the biggest worry we have in industry is like, oh, they're just oh, going out yeah, person. Yeah. Yeah. And there is some halo effect to me. You know, so people see how I perform at OSG and they're like, wow, that's my coach. It must it must come back on me. And I'll say yes. And then I'll say no. Yes, I think it does. My competition experience gains me knowledge to help them. And ironically, I learn a lot from my clients because I run more training cycles through them than I can possibly ever do. So yeah. the feedback I get, I mean, I had a, a client – I have my client, Craig, freaking genius. Uh, he talks, you know, he, he his feedback is so good that, like, I'm learning from it. He's like, yeah, when I do the sandbag, the shoulder, I feel a little more broke off to do overhead. And I didn't even think about the trauma of, like, having that, you know, to have it hit your shoulder as causing a little bit of overtraining towards that side. So it, it gave me an idea of, like, how to structure some of the things so we didn't affect our pressing from an event that you wouldn't even think would really affect pressing. Right. Um, right. But, yeah, so I do learn as an athlete to help them. But even if there is a halo effect, even if it's all placebo effect, is that a bad thing? No, because I'm it's if if all that rubs off on them is I want to be tough like Andrew or I'm going to I'm never going to quit like Andrew. Then that's something that is good to have in their head, even if they're running the most crap program ever. Not saying I do that, but I rather my athletes be geared towards that than be worried about, oh, is is three by eight really the most effective pro? Should I be doing right. some, right. should I be using bands? No, go there with intent. And even if what I program you is not the best ever, if you believe it and you have intensity, you're probably going to get somewhere. And then I'm going to work out the kinks and I'm going to get better as a coach, as I learn, as I learn, as I learn, as I learn. Right. And the block that I wrote for them a year ago, now this block is 10 times better because I've learned from myself and my competing. I've learned from their competing and I've gotten better as a coach. And because they've believed me the whole time, they've been there the whole process it just keeps going up. But if they start doubting me and stuff and they're not bought in, that's when you have the problem. So my brand of, of never, never quit has created clients. I think that are just so bought in to being intense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every one of them I, is, is making gains because they're willing to work. And I just, I just can't, I can't brag enough about. It. Yeah. And, and you articulated that much better than what I was trying to get around to asking you um, because that's exactly what I thought. I mean, there's this intent, there's this level of intensity, grit, dedication and determination that sort of precedes you 
uh, outside of your performance is what I'm getting at. Because you lead with those other things first. I noticed that about you. It's obvious. You lead with all that other stuff first. The performance comes following that. So it always makes you a gamer and it makes you finish. And, and that's what I love about watching you compete. You know, the master or the, the clash of the, uh, or the Rockies, the one that you won. I, was that a was that a defining moment for you, Andrew? That that particular show is it safe to say that that was a defining moment for sort of where you were headed? Man, it's tough. I mean, there's so many so many contests in my career that's like you know it moves the trajectory like you know a couple of years down the line. But yeah, I mean coming back to uh, competing because you know I was always training. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I was really nervous. You know, I mean, the hype of 105 is so high. Yeah. And some of it is yeah. just hype, believe it or not. I mean, sure. the more you talk about something, the more it kind of creates its own animal. It snowballs. Not that I know anything about snow. I'm in Florida. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I was super nervous. Um, you know, I, I've been doing it so long, I figured, you know, I got to be good at it. But there are guys getting better all the time. You know, you're watching their Instagram. You're watching their highlights. But being able to clench that definitely, like, was some reassurance that, um, even with the broken pieces I have and maybe not the best, you know, physical or, you know, maybe I'm not even the strongest I've ever been. I, I still know how to game and I still know how to, to execute a plan. Um, and I'm not taking away from the other athletes, but it just, it's just yeah. really nice to know that I still have it, you know, to be able to call what they're going to do and be able to strategically plan a training cycle to like, cause I didn't win, but two of the events, I think. So I really had to be strategic and, placing high enough on the other three to not, you know, blow it. So. Yeah, I just felt like when I was watching that show and we were talking about you and our pro picks and I was kind of watching your training and, and, and you know, stalking you on social media like I do everybody else. We didn't I, find much. <laughs> I did sense this sort of – this was a pivotal moment I just felt for you. Uh, especially I, I felt like there was a chip on your shoulder a little bit to, to still prove that this this – yeah, right. A big one, I'm sure. Like you're right that you you could still stand up in this new era of 105s. It's still there. How we're talking about? What's it's still that? there. It's not gone. Okay. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I know it's not. You're right, and we'll get to that because there's some things I want to talk about at OSG as well. But I, I thought it was really a, a really kind of that moment for you, just sort of in my own in my own gaze. I felt yeah, like, okay, yeah. what's Andrew Andrew Clayton got? Because everybody was kind of you know, and I remember Luke was kind of coming back and forth in that conversation. And no, no, no. Luke said you can't count him out no matter how injury is. I'm like, yeah, a boy, Luke. That's why I pay yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't have to pay back to you. I kept coming back to you that whole show, man. That whole show. Well, that's why I bought him a drink at OSG, man. He's yeah. helped me out. And, you know, you actually he, – he gives good uh, – what does he call Analytics or or whatever he said. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. No, that that show came down to that sandbag mm -hmm. and hitting – and knowing that sandbag was just like such a technical event. Hitting that last – I mean, I should have hit one more, but – Hitting that sand, every one of my attempts I hit on the second, like every one of the weights for whatever reason. But the composure I could maintain to do that, that is probably like, I mean, I'm so nervous. Yes. It's like threading the needle. I'm so glad I did it. Um, and just as a little side note, uh, Shannon Willis died uh, before the first clash, and he invited me over to his house to train for. I had pulled my bicep having to qualify, which I'm really still ticked about that I had the world record in Axel for 105 and you don't invite me, but I pulled my bicep. He sends me a message. He said, I'll do whatever it takes to help you, you know, help you train. And, uh, man, shoot. I'll cry twice on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I thought that was really nice. I, I really thought about doing it. I thought, man, he's going to help me. You know, yeah. maybe I come back, but realistically, I haven't been training strongly for a while. And then he, he passed away that year. And so every time I trained that sandbag event, because I trained at his house, I was like, man, I, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't screw this up. Yeah. And so I didn't say anything at the show, but like that, that event was like so many times I've thought about what he told me when, you know, when he taught me the event, I'm like, man, I got to get, I got to get a W on, on the show. Cause this is, yeah. So yeah, that, that was good for him. Was, yeah. Yeah. I, that's uh that very, uh, yeah, that's very cool, man. Um, you know, we gather our inspiration sometimes in different ways and, that seems like a really kind of a moment you're always going to hold on to. And I love that. I really do. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, I've had a couple of people pass away in Strongman who ha have left the lasting mark. And I actually have a wall and was well, my parents' garage right now, but it's going to be, I'm going to have a, a bigger wall of mine, but of all, it, well, you have to die. So yeah. all people that are dead, yeah. but that wall is going to have very, very important people. And I'm yeah. sure somebody that comes to train with me is going to be slightly uneducated. They say, who is that? And then I yeah. get to tell them the story and we get to tell them, you know, what, yeah. Shannon taught me, uh, also Scott Helms up in Georgia, uh, you know, what he taught me about how to load stones and, you know, just those, those things are just, uh, they're bigger than the sport. Um, yeah. Yeah. and you know, when you look at like the legacy of people, there's plenty of people that are going to say good and bad things about me, but as long as I carry on a legacy of the people that are like really good. And to me, those are two individuals that are much better than myself. Yeah. I don't really give a crap what you think about me because it's, it's, it's bigger than me. It's, uh, it's about them. I, I like that. I want to end up on a garage wall somewhere myself. That would be it. Well, if you pass away before I pass away, uh, <laughs> just send well, me your. I got to do something to earn it for fuck's sake. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Teach me a lesson or something. You know, give me like yeah, a good. Okay, good. I'll try to do that. Okay. Or, or yeah, yeah. To, I think I'm going to go before you. I'm a little older, so I'll try to do something between now and then to. Yeah, I'll try my best not to. <laughs> yeah, please don't. No, you got way more work to do. You have more work to do than I do. Yeah, um, yeah you know. So coming off that show, I really, I really thought, man, it, it, it was. I knew OSG was next, and I thought to myself, I cannot wait to see you at OSG. Well, actually, OSG was not going to be next. It was going to be America's Strongest Man, but due to some uh, unfortunate changes in some of the events, uh, I opted to skip. Because okay. I did okay. not feel like it would be of, how do I put this, a very fair uh, determination of America's Strongest Man. And by proxy, World's Strongest Man at OSG for 105, hosted in America, would technically be America's Strongest Man bonus. Yeah. So I figured right. if you're America's Strongest Man, you would win official Strongman games in 105. So I did skip... America's Strongest Man 105. I did say I was going to do it. And on this podcast, I'd like to apologize for skipping it. I am so sorry to all my fans that I skipped it. But due to circumstances that are outside of my control that other people could control, I did not go to it. So, yes, that is very much me okay. keeping my mouth shut as best I can. But I really wanted to go to America's Strongest Man. But I'm going to play by fair rules to all competitors. And I'm not going to waste a peak for things that are going to be changed uh, to bias. For one right, right. No, no. I, I think people can read between the lines there. And if you can't, <laughs> you're, do your research and you'll figure it out. So. And now I'm hated. I said all these oh, good things God. and now I'm hated. But hey, I mean, yeah. I got to be honest. I told everybody I was going to do America's Strongest Man 105 and yeah. I lied. So I feel yeah. bad. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> you're, you're, I'm sure 2023 might have a different outlook for you. But in, in any case, <laughs> you, you, you go to OSG 
I mean, you did. You have a huge chip on your shoulder. You do. Everybody can see that, right? I mean, they have small shoulders and calves. Is that what it is? It just yeah. small shoulders looks a lot bigger. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where did that? I mean, I, listen. I can take a guess at a lot of things that I know about you. Have asked about you and talked to other people about. I mean, but really, where is the root of that for you, Andrew? Where does it? Where does it come from? I think you know. I mean, I obviously don't want to be counted out, but I think. So I'm, I'm always going to be an open strong man. I, I, I'm a strong man. Like when I tell people what I'm good at, I'm good at strong man. I don't, I don't define myself by my weight. You know, I think that's a weird thing we got going now is, oh, you're a pro 105. No, like I, and whether you're pro or not, I don't want to hear the whole argument of getting paid, getting yeah. not. Cause like I, I can show you that I'm paying for the, the gym I have with the cash that I got from strongman. So like, whatever, like in my mind, I, it benefits me. I mean, I coach professionally. So it's like, I am, but but yeah, whether or not it's pro or whatever, I'm a strong man. And to me, that means being strong, obviously, physically, mentally, and then hopefully in my life and all those types of things as well. Um, and I think it it irritates some people in the weight class because they think of it as talking down to the weight class. And I don't know when it became a thing of like, how can I be qualified as a strong man, as an open strong man, but not qualified as a 105? To not get an, an invite to the inaugural 105 clash yeah, is probably the most insulting thing in my 105 career ever. And uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, th there were some things about what the rules were, but even within the rules, there are rules that are broken to have other people invited. Yeah. And I, I'll have to look it up because obviously it's, it's on, you know, once you put something on the internet, it's out there forever, but it's not right. an active page. But I'm pretty sure I have either already competed against and beaten like before the show most of them. And then now I think I, I'm pretty sure I've beaten like every one of those competitors that are on that original list that got invited automatically. Yeah. yeah. So it's like really tough for me to like, and even in that first year, I'm pretty sure the top 10 I've competed with and beaten most of them. It's just like, I don't know to, to make me qualify for my, to break my own world record in one Oh five. Yeah. And I'm a former world strongest man. It's just, I, that's just, yeah. That, that, I, I'm, I'm okay. I can keep my mouth shut. Yeah, that was like, three. I, I, listen, I would light your fire. That's, I mean, we can say it'll light your fire for sure. And, 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 and so, yeah, so there's there's a, there's there's justice that follows that. I, I mean, honestly, I mean, that resonates with a lot of people out there. That, because, listen, not unsimilar to what you're gone through. This story is not uncommon. We we it's it's a part of the, the nature of sort of the shadows of this sport and kind of how it's worked out over the last few years. Or the production of the sport, like yeah. you know, obviously World Strength Fans TV show, yeah. and you know, I, I think one of the reasons that open competitors, I don't like to use like, but like is probably the best English word we have. The reason it res, like what I'm saying resonates with some of my friends who are open competitors, is because it's very similar to what they go through trying to qualify for World Strongest Man, yeah, and having that bias towards the UK athletes or the the novel country that no one actually does strongman there, but they invite someone from there, yeah. Um, it's it's the fact that it is a sport, but it's a TV show. Yeah. And that's why I think I get a little disliked because I'm willing to, to speak out about it a little bit more. A lot of people yeah. say hush about it. Everybody talks about it in the background. No, but I'm, I'm, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I, I might never get the world's strongest man. I'll probably never get to be called one of the best 105s, like, you know, like just flat out. And, and I, I've almost just accepted it. So if, if I'm going to have to have those things happen where I don't get to achieve like some of those goals, 
then I guess I'll just be really honest about how I feel about <laughs> it. And it's yeah. funny because like there are people that dislike it, but there's also people, like you said, they, they, it resonates with them. And there are people that like, uh, authenticity. Oh, I can't say it off. Uh, <laughs> authenticity. I got you. Yes, thank you. I'm speech yeah. impediment. Trying to talk too fast. Uh, you know that when you are authentically you, the people that actually like you for who you are are going to come around. That's why, again, why I have the clients I have, why I have the friends I have, why I have people yeah. around me. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I don't like the politics. I don't like the favoritism. I don't like any of that. I like the people that go out to that storage unit when it's dark and their music doesn't work and they're late and they haven't eaten for an hour and a half and they pull the car up, angle the lights in and they yeah. just grab that bar and they're like, I'm going to make somebody pay. Yeah. And that's the kind of person that deserves to be at these shows. Not the person that gets down and kisses, or just kisses up, or just yeah. that. Just and and the funny, and you know, the really funny thing because I've been in the sport fifteen years, is the big companies that sponsor these athletes for like apparel or uh, not apparel, all the support equipment. Yeah, some they pick people who are going to trend well on Instagram, yeah, sure. social media, yeah. and ironically, those people are not always the people that last the longest. No, <laughs> sex sells, looks yeah. sell. In the women's category, it's oh, look at that hot, strong woman. Where are they now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at the male category, it's the one that's all ripped. Where is he now? And it part of me is a little sick and like, you know, hey, I told you so, but I'm still here and I'm still available to be sponsored. So, yeah. like, well, if, and it's if you weren't the last, <laughs> we're talking about a bill of goods here in Strongman. And that, and listen, I love to hear that because I'm the same guy you are. You watch some of my clips and stuff. I'm not afraid to say it the way I see it, and I don't give a shit. It, there's got to be a certain legitimacy lent to this sport before it becomes corrupt um, it, it with sort of this preference preference thing, right? This this The way things are kind of – it's not legitimizing it as a sport when we see a lot of the games being played and, and the way it's kind of being sort of defined to the public. I mean – Well, that's we, the thing. It's like even I have to say hush-hush on your podcast a little bit because if I just flat out said it, then I'm calling someone out. And yeah. then everyone that agrees, which is going to be more people that agree with the, with what's popular than the than what's like off to the side. So now everybody's going to come at me, and they'll try to affect my business, and they'll try to you know they'll do things that affect me as an athlete. So those are that's when it becomes a problem. And this is the same thing that happens in 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 every movement is you get a bunch of people that go with like the popular thing, which might not be the right thing, and then you have this minority of people that that might actually be I don't want to say truth, but that might actually be what happened, but. You just get this gang up on the other one and crush them, you know, yeah. and overpowers them. You know, it's, it's politics and it's just what exactly what it is. So, but you know, what's the best thing about our sport is, and, and it, 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 it can never be changed. You got to lift heavy shit and you got to yes, move heavy yes. shit. And if the you scoreboard, it, that's it. Yep. That's the it. scoreboard is what, yeah. and, and that's what my dad said. I, the first little beef I got it, uh, in practice, you know, in upper class was, you know, throw me to the ground and he's, and I came home, I was upset. He said, just beat him in practice, you know, beat him off the block and, you know, hit him hard and make the tackle. And then the same thing, like if someone's talking crap about you, just beat him in the game, beat him, in, you know, beat him in the physical sport that you're going against. Don't beat him in the, the trash talk, beat him in the sport. So for me, bring up the scoreboard. That's, that should be where it is. And the fact that there's even like debates and crap on the internet I mean, yeah. I, I love the predictions you did. That was yeah. very, very good. That wasn't a debate. That was more like right, right. guessing. Yeah. But the fact that we, there are debates or just trash talking out there, it just blows my mind because I think it should always come down to like, let's go compete head yeah. to head, yeah. head to head. You know, right. 
if you are actually the best something, you go head to head with the person yeah. you're trying to beat. You don't do it a roundabout way to, you know, and so yeah, it's. I, I think there's a bigger contingency of people out there than we realize that prefer to see the sport through that lens, that want to see the best compete against the best at all cost, regardless of preference or politics or anything else. And the day that a show, which I hope we never see, but we generally do in some way see it, doesn't want a certain person there to compete against a certain person, uh, I, I, honest to God, I'll scream to high heavens. If I recognize it, identify it, I won't stop talking about it. And I hope nobody else does either because we got to shut that shit down. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's always going to be some bias, but we can leave this conversation. I'm getting pretty heated. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, we can't. And, we can't. and I don't want to be a negative person. Like the sport has come yeah. a long way and there's so much positive, but like hopefully people understand the point of view that I have is, is, more, is I don't want to say more unique, but very unique. You know, not everybody's going to, go pro and they're still going to enjoy the sport. Not everybody's going to yeah, go pro yeah. and ever even get a check and they're still going to enjoy the sport. Not everybody's going to make it on TV or go to World Strongest Man and go to Giants Live. And that's fine. I'm not saying that. But when you get there, it, it becomes like you've worked. It's it's so many levels to it. And it's so much diminished returns towards the end that to have some of these quote unquote like inconveniences and not being invited. Yeah. It just makes it. It's like 10 times worse than what you think it is because it's like you've done all the other things to get to that level. It's not yeah. like, oh my gosh, I didn't get invited to the local show that happens every year. It's like, oh my gosh, like I have to do like how many more train cycles or, you know, a year's time for me now is very valuable. I mean, I might be done at 35. Who knows? I can have a family in five years yeah. and now yeah. I take off. So I'm on borrowed time and I've done it for 15 years. So every time there's a year delay is like a significant yes. like slap in the yeah. face. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. But I'm not dissing the sport. The sport has improved a ton. No, no. The most prize money I've ever earned this year, I've been the, – the publicity, the ads, the sponsors, the being on more podcast. I mean, the content. In a, as a whole, I'm very happy and very positive about the sport. But yeah. that doesn't mean that there aren't areas to work on, and that is what I'm voicing. Yeah. And negativity or the areas we need to work on are always going to speak louder. And that's why I'm so vocal about the areas we need to work on. Because if we just praise the areas that we're good at all the time, we'll yeah. ignore that small section. And that's a great way to put it and kind of put an end to that partial portion of the conversation because that is true. We're just passionate about it because we love it. And we just want to make sure it's always, you know, representing in the right way. Right. And I think that just is just showing that uh, there's, there's a lot of love for the, love for the sport. And, and we don't uh, – we always want to be a part of it. We never want to see it make that awful turn. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, enough said about that. You know, you get onto OSG and, and I really, I mean, there was that moment, you know, you're on the platform and, and boy, you just called out the world. And I think, Andrew, it's safe to say you have more, whether you want it, whether you want to hear this or not, because I get, in the, there's a part of you that I think likes to be the bad guy a little bit. Oh man, I'm, I'm relishing it now. I love yeah, it. I, I bet know. you are. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not quite, so 105 has a history of people that have been the bad guys. I'm yeah. not quite the stir the pot talk crap in my truck bad guy but like i'm getting close and i'm also not quite polarized the crap out of social media with like overly religious context bad yeah. guy like i'm not i'm not there yet i'm trying to but I'm, i can't get there and that's not that good so i'm probably like just a couple tiers down that's the bad guy i'm trying to be but uh but yeah i'm definitely more of the bad guy now well i don't know if the bad guy wants to hear this or not but th there's a lot of people out there that are loving andrew clayton uh, for who yeah, you are that. and the way you represent.
So whether you like to hear it or not, there's a lot of people that are, are actually more than not are, are that you resonate with, uh, you know, than you don't. So maybe I'm gonna not be, the bad guy thing that you want to hear, but it's true. It's I think true. I'm be Robin Hood. I'm going I'm to rob the prize go. in first place. I'm going to distribute it where I think it's supposed to go. That's what I'm going to do. You're so the Robin Hood of strongmen. Yeah, yes, so I, I'm going to take the first place prize money. I'm going to put it in the places where we should be putting that disposable income, helping people and giving yeah. the team competitors and, uh, and, and tipping coaches that stick around for years on end yeah. uh, instead of winning prize money and just being a complete you know jerk about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm Robin hood now. That, you know, that's why I'm I like that. Andrew Robin hood. Hood the strong man. There you go. That's my moniker. <laughs> yep, that's it. No, you know, that's what we do here at gym life. Hey, uh, so what, is, what does 2023 look like for you kind of in a, in, in, you know, just in a snapshot, do you have like an, uh, I would gather you probably have kind of a game plan, right? I mean, what is that exactly? Uh, so as we talked about at the beginning, I'm trying to get my, my home gym set up so I can really train. Um, the events and stuff or, or the dates and events are, are, are roughly announced for clash. I've already qualified for that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I plan to do that. I guess uh, I say, I guess, because like, I really don't have to. Like, I really don't think I have to prove myself as a good strongman, but it is, they just keep moving. So there's a book, Who Moved My Cheese of Gratification. It's kind of like that. It's like, I thought the cheese was winning OSG, but then, or, but apparently then it was ASM, but then it wasn't ASM. Now it's Clash. It's like, they keep moving the cheese around. So I'm yeah. just trying to get the cheese. And apparently it's not where I think it's going to be. Uh, but yeah, probably Clash. Um, I'm still at 105 body weight, so to speak. So maybe I'll do some other 105 things. Uh, but as I, I've been on a couple other podcasts, I just kind of say the same thing. It's I want to get bigger and, and stronger just for me. I I do love strongmen. I love training. And it it's uh it's tough to have to cut weight or even just not be bigger. I mean, I can eat more, I can eat it's easy. Yeah. And I'm not and I'm, maybe it's the maturity of knowing how to train or how to recover or age or whatever. But I feel like I actually have a lot of room to grow as far as muscle without getting fat and yeah. do a better job than I did last time. And if if things had happened differently this past year, I probably would already be big. Um, I actually had to lose about 30 pounds of mass, which mostly was lean mass, to be able to cut down to go against two returning champions at OSG. But unfortunately, there was a change in plans on their end. Yeah. Uh, so that did kind of upset me because I was up to 290 with abs uh, in 2021. Now I'm no longer. So that's kind of a bitter pill to swallow. But hopefully by next year, I'm back to about 290 with abs, looking jacked, being strong for myself, not playing by the rules of, hey, go break your body off to get on TV. That's a TV show that we invite people from countries that don't even do strongman. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, well, so you're, you, so you're, so this open thing is going to happen. I mean, you, you, this is in the plan for sure. I mean, I'm going to have to come back to open eventually. Um, yeah. I'm almost 6'2. I've walked around 300 pounds. I don't even know how many years of my life now. Probably, yeah. you know, a good majority of my life, I was closer to 300 pounds. Uh, I know from past experience, I'm, I'm really, really strong around 285, 295. Uh, and that was when I was a little bit softer. So now if I'm a little bit leaner, yeah. even better. Uh, be able to eat more calories, it prevents injuries. I'm not, you know, riding that line of recovery. Yeah. I, I spoke about it a lot. I think some of the injuries I've gotten as a 105 was because I was cutting or training more like a bodybuilder. Uh, and you know, we're performance athletes. So if I'm a little bit softer, but I, I heal better and stuff like that, that's fine. Um, 
but I also want to enjoy you know the train. And so yeah, yeah. strongman is about like I do like the idea of being good at like all million events of strongman, but that doesn't mean I need to train them all. And uh if if I want to go do a local show that we're doing like a max log, a max deadlift or something like that, I just want to be able to go do it. And yeah. you know, and have fun training. And there's a lot of Americans now that have kind of accepted that they're probably gonna get, you know, left out of world strongest man, no matter how many America's strongest man titles they win. And I think some of them have said, you know what, I'm just gonna be good at what I like to do. And so, you know, have you know, I, I love for Wesley Claiborne, Marcus Crowder, Spencer Remick, all those guys need to go to World Strongest Man. But I think all of them know that like even if they don't make it, they're some of the best to ever do it. And yeah. they want to be strong regardless. Yeah. So that's kind of me, but maybe one step back. Like I'd love to make it world strongest man and be like one of those guys again. But uh if I don't, I just want to be like one of the strongest people in America. And yeah, yeah. Big, yeah. Well, yeah, just because you love to do it. And it sounds like yeah. that's a great that's a great plan. You know, it really is. Because I would love to see you do that actually. Oh my God, I'd love it. And you feel like your body is going to hold up. You, you don't feel like that extra you you just kind of said it. You you think there's a you're, you're at a better place to keep your body healthy heavier. Yeah, I mean, it's so much resource oriented, you know, being able to afford PRP and all, you know, all the treatment you need to make sure your body is healthy and eating the right, you know, even even upgrading to eating better quality beef, you know, it could be a gain and, you know, being able to not have to work as many hours, get more sleep. So yeah. as my business, you know, as my business does better in coaching, as I have, you know, as I have a home gym and resources, I'm not wasting time driving to a gym and coordinating sure. those logistics. Sure. I'm hoping that I'm able to pour a little bit more into myself and, uh, as I said before, a lot of my clients, I think, love to see me compete, too. So I don't think it's going to take away from my business of coaching. I think it's just going to make it better. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, if, if I'm looking forward to anything in 2023, it's just finally having that, like, the hub, or as I call it, the compound, where everything's yeah. going to happen. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna be as close to a profe uh, professional strongman that's not a professional, according to the Internet, <laughs> possible. Right, whatever that means, right? Yeah. You know, I, mean, so, God, I, mean, yeah. I have a backyard with about 35 feet of concrete to run yoke. Uh, I'm gonna have tons of storage for equipment. I don't have an HOA, thank God. Mm -hmm. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to pour myself into it for the next like three to five years, and uh, and see what happens. Yeah, you know the great thing about it too, the great unknown, right? I mean, because we're watching this sport kind of evolve at a pretty good clip right now. I mean, all the kind of things that we're not so happy with right now, and the way things have kind of happened up to this point, it could it could kind of change on a dime too, where we're right. where all of a sudden we see those guys like you just mentioned in a better position and yourself in a better position just to do more things and to be more visible and have more fun too. And I'm holding out on that. I, I really do. Maybe I'm a glass half full kind of guy, but I, I really do feel like we're at that kind of shift at the moment where at any moment we can see a little more opportunity coming for those of us that we know deserve it or yeah. those who do deserve it. So maybe, maybe in all actuality, the road you're taking by the time you get there, you're going to find yourself in a place you never thought you'd be anyhow. Yeah. And that's always the case is, is in strongman. Unfortunately, you can't plan too far in advance because you, you kind of have to seize every opportunity you have. And so many times yeah. the opportunity, when the opportunity comes is more a factor than when the person's ready. So, you know, like OSG is a great example. OSG wasn't as big in 2017 as 2022. So the opportunities allowed to me now as a winner versus back then are much different. Yeah. So yeah. even though maybe I'm the same athlete, you know, maybe I'm roughly the same abilities. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting seeing what they open up in 2023 and who's there to like strike when the iron's hot. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like the one thing that I could find for 2023 that we're kind of semi committed to is some unfinished business at Clash. And then after that, we'll see where you go. Yeah. I'd like to do some cleaning up of 
some stuff. Um, and I really need to leave 105 with a very good uh, – I need to stamp 105 very well. Yeah, exit the right way, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I exited on a on a world record and a world title, but uh, not in the best of way. So 2022 is kind of like a redo. And yeah. as I said, both my parents are perfectionists, and I'm also a perfectionist. So we're going to make this as perfect as possible. So. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we just came full circle on this yep. conversation. Uh, Andrew Clayton, uh, this is long overdue. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. And uh, I feel like I, I've known you from a distance, and you did not disappoint. You're every bit the man and the athlete I thought you were. Thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I look forward to catching up with you in somewhere at Clash. I'll be at Clash. So there you go. Yeah. If, if everything works out the way it should, uh, we can share in a, a beer uh, after your victory. Let's just say that. Maybe whiskey and a cigar. I'm kind of getting into cigars now. Okay. It's, it, yeah. it's, calming, it's calming me down. And if Clash is outside, then uh, I'm pretty sure you're allowed to have cigars on the podium. So I think that well, might I'll tell be you what. I will bring the cigars then, and then ah. you don't worry about that, and that will be your reward. And, and I'll get my poster. That's what I'll do. Perfect. That, that sounds great. There I'll bring go. the poster. You bring the cigars. Okay, that's Perfect. good. <laughs> that sounds good. All right, Andrew, thank you very much, man. Enjoy your uh, holiday, of course. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll be seeing you after the uh, the first of the year sometime here in 2023. Awesome. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome, bro.